0: praise God. What a blessing. What a uh, incredible honor it is always to be here and to be with you all and to be at home. It's just something different when you're home than there is when you're out in, in another place. And so uh, we're delighted to be here. And uh, pastor mentioned it. I am so thrilled today to have my sweet wife back in service today. Amen. <laughs> And so it's, gra- it's wonderful for you to be here today, too. We're equally thrilled to see you, and how many believe God could do something in the next few minutes that might change your life for the rest of your life? Amen. 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 Also, I uh, want to introduce you to a young man. Over the years, we've had um, 15 young men and women who have served as interns with our ministry. Many of them today are pastoring churches and, and leading ministries around the world, but we've got number 16 with us today. And that young man's name is Zeke Wallace. I want you to get to him sometime after service and encourage him. Stand, Zeke, would you do that? A dynamic young man, loves the Lord. Brilliant young man. You can be seated. A brilliant young man, uh, one of the most theologically ept uh, young men that have traveled with me. He's got his stuff together. and We, let, we have long conversations about things I know nothing about. And so uh, that's, it's a joy to have Zeke with, with us today. Uh, If you'll notice in the lobby, there's a a table. I generally do not do that uh, here, but I brought some things today. How many get the Destiny magazine? Anybody in the room get the Destiny magazine? Well, just a couple of you three, maybe. Uh, I I had Jeannie uh, bring a few of those over today. We have a brand new magazine that's out, uh, the fall, fall edition for 2023. And also, there's some additional copies. We publish a magazine every uh, I think about four times a year, a quarterly magazine. And so if you don't get it and you'd like to get it, we'll get with Jeannie and give her your address. And we'll put you on our mailing list. And uh, But I brought some of those today. Uh, this particular one, two of the art- I wrote two articles for this uh, with a host of other. Uh, and we have guest writers. As a matter of fact, in this particular magazine, Willie Robertson, any Duck Commander fans? Uh, Duck Commander guys? <laughs> <laughs> Willie Robertson wrote a great article for us, and it's in the magazine uh, this time, but I wrote two, and those were both written while Kath was in the hospital in ICU, so it may give you a little glimpse into uh, some of my thought process that was going on, and so stop by and pick those up. Um, th- th- for those of you who don't have a copy of the book, uh, <laughs> that's how we affectionately call it around the office, the book. Uh, Pilgrimage to Pentecost, a few years ago, I wrote a book that uh, was really a leadership book set against the backdrop of the events leading up to the day of Pentecost and and the day of Pentecost. It's really not a Pentecostal book. It's a book about uh, the leadership journey that Jesus and his disciples made as they traveled toward that climactic moment that was the birth of the church. And so we have some of those back there. And then, you know, the church often gets a little sneak peek. This is not a new project. It's just an unreleased project. And we're getting ready and working on it to get it ready. Uh, It's entitled... And I'm going to do a little excerpt, perhaps, of that today. uh, Defining, defying, and defeating giants in your life. Anybody in the room have have faced before, are facing now, or you know if you live long enough, you will face a giant in your life. Amen. Amen. And so there's some coffee mugs out there that are just a little uh, kind of a a pre-glimpse of that. And everything's free. Just go by and pick it up and take it with you as our gift. And as I'm saying that, I want to express our... Deep gratitude to this church for your support while Kath has been uh, recovering and through the surgery. And some of you kind of know what happened. She had brain surgery uh, six weeks ago, Tuesday, and then six weeks ago yesterday had a subsequent stroke. And uh, man, she is doing so good, so good. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Doing so good. And so, uh, so many of you cooked food and brought food and prayed for us. There were hundreds, there was an army of people praying from India and Africa to Asia and just all over the world uh, praying for her. And we stood on those prayers, didn't we, Kath? And uh, none more so than the prayers of the folks of this church. And uh, I'm going to tell you what you ladies can cook too. Let me tell you, if y'all feel led to just keep that going uh, like indefinitely, about every three days, it'd be great. Just let the Lord lead you. Do whatever. All I ask you just do whatever He tells you to do, nothing more or nothing less. But listen, thank you all so much for the wonderful meals that you brought, and and beyond the food, the love and support that was behind it was tremendous, and so we're so grateful for that. And, uh, and we appreciate it with all of our heart. Well, you know, sometimes, uh, particularly when I'm working in a little project like this, I, I tend to kind of go on a journey. And so I'd like you to take your Bible in your hands, and I want you to open it today to what I'm calling an anchor text. Now, if I was, I gave pastor a title for my message, and honestly, as I was sitting there and we were in worship, I probably would rename it. Because I named it when I sent the text to him, The Name of the Lord. But I think I would rename it uh, today, David's Secret. David's Secret. And hopefully that will make sense. So when I get through, you can decide which of those titles would have been more suitable. Uh, The Name of the Lord, David's Secret. Uh, I love music. Uh, Many of you know over the years, if you've been around me or just stood next to me in worship, that I like to sing and I love music. And uh, I, I was raised uh, in a pastor's home. Dad and mom pastored for about 50 years. And, uh, and so uh, while we were doing everything else, as raised as a PK, you do everything. We, I mean, I cut the grass, clean the toilet, set up the Sunday school rooms. You know, if you, there's not a job or a duty, I guess, that happens in a local church that I haven't been a part of. But in the process, they were musicians and singers as well. And so music was indelibly imprinted. In my heart and in my mind. And uh, I have to tell you that uh, there's a lot of things I love to sing. But some of my favorite things, uh, particularly from a gospel or an inspirational side, are things that are recorded in the scripture. I love singing scripture. As a matter of fact, you wonder how so many of the people in ancient times could quote so much of the scripture. It's because they were taught it in song. Uh, The psalms were the hymnal of of the juice and then eventually the early church that's what they sing. David wrote 75 roughly 75 of those songs and i have written a song or two in my life you know and i sing them in the shower but when you, but when you write 75 that make the big book you are a songwriter you know what i'm saying that's better than being on billboard's top 100 you know when you make the big book and 75 of david's songs roughly are recorded in 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 the scripture and i love some of the songs some of which david wrote and some of them you'll recognize like out of the psalms i remember maybe psalm 63 thy loving kindness is better than life thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee thus i will bless thee i will lift up yeah there you go thank you for the four of you that were singing with me how about this one I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so shall I be saved from my enemies and then I love man on the riff when it goes off the Lord reigneth (laughs) oh listen I was I know that's old school y'all forgive me I'm 61 now so I live in a little different time than is today and I love the latest music as a matter of fact, if you if you doubt that, we just go out and to com and check out our, la- our latest conference. I love awesome contemporary uh, music, but I love some of the old songs that we sing. Psalms 42, "As the deer panteth for the waters, So my soul pants after you after thee." We have to sing some of that in King James English because it doesn't rhyme if we don't. but um, today, The passage I'm going to share with you is also one of those songs. And it wasn't written by David, but I think David had a fingerprint in it. It was written by Solomon, and it's out of the book of Proverbs. If you'll turn to chapter number 18, you'll recognize it when you land there. Proverbs chapter number 18 Verse 10, and this message really has evolved over these last weeks that I've been home. While Kath was in ICU and she was in the hospital for 17 days and about 8 or 9 of those days in the neurological intensive care unit. And I'll tell you, uh, as, as they were trying to get her blood pressure under control and her head was splitting with the pressure that, and pain uh, that came as a result of the stroke and then swelling in the brain, uh, they were giving her morphine and blood thinners and insulin shots because her sugar went. It just everything went nuts for a while. I can tell you we weren't calling on the name of Buddha. Oh. Uh, I was not. She was out to some degree. I wasn't calling on Muhammad. I wasn't trying to find a quiet, restful place to put myself in a happy frame of mind. I was calling on the name of the Lord. And I'll tell you, I I believe that there may be some of you in this room today, some of you in your life, I don't know all of your stories, and I, I don't know perhaps the contemporary story that's going on in your life but i do know in an auditorium like this with people that there are those who are facing giants there are those who are facing difficult moments i look at sister bonnie our neighbor back there and see her smiling face and I, that's my walking route and i would many many days walk by and have a an encouraging conversation with her dear husband and her as on the early morning walk and i i typically walk with buds and i'm listening to preaching and scripture and and, music, and so they probably chuckled every time because they see me coming. If I saw them, I'm pulling out my earbuds and know that we're going to have an encouraging conversation. Uh, we're praying for you, Sister Bonnie. But I believe that there are those in the room that are facing challenges. You know, challenges are common. Just because you're a Christian, just because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, doesn't make you exempt. From difficulties. As a matter of fact the scripture says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But God delivers us out of them all. I mean, it was Hemingway that said life breaks us all. And some of us heal where we've been broken. And we're stronger than we were before we were broken. But every one of us. And I'm not going to be negative here today. But every one of us at some point in our life. Are going to be faced with a knock at the door. That's not the visitor we hoped or wished we would have. Maybe a broken relationship or maybe a bad diagnosis or, or maybe a financial downturn or, or maybe just a, an emotionally difficult challenging season because of something you went through as a child or something that happened in your life. And, and I'll tell you, you can get into all kinds of religious platitudes and all kinds of ideas and get all the right things nailed down and be able to say it all the right way. But sometimes you'll face things in life that just saying the right things the right way don't change the circumstance. You need a place. You need a person. Did you know that uh, really Judaism and Christianity are two of the only religions in the world that offer a suggestion that you can pray to a personal God who can hear you and do something about it? How many are glad you're, having, you're in that kind of religion? Amen. Amen. Where you can call on the name of the Lord and God will respond. Well, this passage in Proverbs chapter 18, here's how Solomon said it. Now, you have to understand Solomon's ministry and then what he wrote because he wrote a couple of the books of the Bible, actually three of the books of the Bible. But the first book, Proverbs, was probably written in his early reigning years. In other words, early on in his life. We know that Solomon went awry and went astray. And, and honestly, Ecclesiastes, when he writes that, right, he finishes it by saying, all is vanity, nothing matters. What a jaded, cynical perspective. But that's not how Solomon began. Solomon, after David had passed and he assumes the throne, probably much of what we read in the book of Proverbs are emerging from those early belief systems that had been entrenched in him and built into his mind from his father, David. I believe this one was one of those. Chapter 18, verse 10, "...the name of the Lord is a strong tower." The righteous run into it and they are safe. That's a good preaching verse right there. It really is, because it's got a cadence to it. You know, depending on the environment I was in, I might say it like this: the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. But how many believes it's just as good to say the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run? It's true anyway you say it. And there was a song that came about that. How many remember? You have to put a little a little bit of a rhythm to the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into, and they are saved. Some of y'all look at me like I ain't never heard that in my entire life. But some of you know it, you're just shy and don't want to sing it. The name of the Lord. Anytime you see the word Lord with a large L and then all capital letters, that particular translation for the name of the Lord is YHWH. It's translated Yahweh for most of us. The Anglicanized version is Jehovah. But it is a specific name related to the person of God. Some of you have heard me talk about that before, about how that is most scholars believe that it's derived from the hiphil tense of the Hebrew that means to be, or the cause, or the reason. It's the name that God revealed himself as at the burning bush when Moses said, you're sending me into Egypt, but who should I tell Pharaoh has sent me? And God said, well, you tell him that the cause, the source, the one who makes it happen, you tell him that there's a new God coming to Egypt, And he's going to be different from all the other gods that Egypt worshipped. All the gods that had ears but couldn't hear. And eyes but couldn't see. And a mouth but couldn't speak. You tell him that a real God is coming to Egypt. I am that I am is how the translators translated it. It was actually four consonants called the tetragrammaton, the original name of God, the four consonants. And then the the Maserotic Jews, for example, created the word Jehovah by deriving the, the vowel points of Adonai and blended them. So they didn't want to blaspheme the name of God. It's interesting because he says that that is my name forever. That's what he told Moses. When he says, I am that I am. It's actually a verb. How many are glad you're serving a God whose name is a verb? I don't want to serve an anemic God. I don't want to serve an impotent God. I don't want to serve a God that's made out of stone or made out of wood. I want to serve a God who's alive and well, a God who has the ability to make it happen in your life. I think this was one of David's secrets. is he understood that kind of God and embedded it into the heart. Of Solomon, his young son, the source. And incidentally, the Hebrew version of Jesus, Yeshua, has the name of Yahweh embedded in it. So it literally means Yahweh, or Yah, a shortened version. Yahshua, Yeshua. Yah is salvation, is salvation. I'm thankful for the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And I tell you that in that hospital room When we called on the name of the Lord We migrated from that room Into a strong tower That has been the rescue of the righteous Since the days of the beginning and I'm here to tell you today that if you're facing some challenge in your life, if you're facing some difficult, maybe it's different than the one we faced, but if it's, if, it's, if it's confronting you and if it's challenging your faith, run to the Lord, run to His name. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's not just a theological concept. It's not just a clever idea. There's more than just a label involved when you call on the name of Jesus. And I think David had come to understand that. You see, in Jewish thought, a name is not just an arbitrary label. It conveyed the very nature, character, reputation, and potential of the thing that it was called. I mean, all of that embedded and kind of amalgamated into one. It wasn't just a label. We, we see something and we call it by a name. And to us, sometimes it's just a label. But to them, it conveyed, the, think about it, the nature, the character, the reputation, the potential of the thing That was called. So when Solomon said in chapter 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now, sometimes we understand that there are two different levels that the scripture is written on particularly in the old testament there's often an immediate contemporary application and then there's a metaphorical application and then sometimes there's a, a literal application for example when we talk about jesus being the lamb of god and and john said behold the lamb of god that takes away the sins of the world and we see in revelation he's a lamb there but he's also a lion well which is it Well, it's actually neither. He's not a literal lion. He operates like the lamb. It was his blood that would do what the lamb simply was, a picture and a shadow of what would come in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, The bush, when the bush spoke to Moses and the, the fire was burning, God's not a bush, but yet metaphorically, we talk about the fire of God and the bush that was on fire that wasn't consumed. But I want to suggest to you that when Solomon uses this passage, yes, there is a metaphor involved. I mean, God is not literally a stone tower. And so that's true at one level. But then can I tell you that there is a literal reality where the name of the Lord becomes a a strong tower. It is both metaphor and reality at the same time. And if you've only known it metaphorically, if you've only known it theologically, if it's only been something from a Bible study or some preacher like me was preaching to you, then you're missing the greater impact in your life. Because the name of the Lord is more than a byword and it's not a cuss word. The name of the Lord is a place that you can take refuge when the storms of life are coming your way. Name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into and they are safe Solomon was saying a lot perhaps he was reflecting on the day his dad told him the story of his encounter in the valley of Allah with a giant named Goliath David couldn't escape to some fortress he couldn't escape to some stone tower in chapter 40 I mean chapter 17 of 1 Samuel verse 45 David says it this way, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Can I tell you that when David ran into that valley, he was running into the strong tower of the identity of God. How many are glad that there is a reality where you can take your take your, your storm shelter wherever you go? The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And then I love I mean, how bodacious David is. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I mean, Goliath, you know the story. Goliath's big and tall, David's ruddy and small. This is, he's just been anointed king in the chapter before. I mean, he's on the heights of heights. This is a little heady thing, right? You're a kid and you've just been anointed as the next king of Israel. And there probably was a temptation to walk in with a little swagger. Maybe he did. His brothers seemed to be a bit offended by what he had to say. But when he went into that valley, all that pretense was laid aside. And it was life and death, one on one. But it wasn't Goliath versus David. David understood. David's secret was that it was Goliath versus God. You see... (laughs) Hmm... Sometimes I think about stuff just makes me want to shout right in the middle of my own sermon. You see, Goliath didn't defy David. He defied God through David. You see, when you're in the secret place of the Most High, when you are sheltered under the shadow of the Almighty, when you have literally been absorbed into the, the refuge that God can be in your life, when the enemy challenges you, he's not challenging you, he's challenging God through you. So if we change the way we look at it and realize he's not just challenging me, he's challenging God. What was David's secret? David's secret was you, you have come and you brought the, the, the weapons of war into this valley to take me out. And I'm just a kid. What glory is there in that? But the truth is when you challenged me, you didn't realize you were defying the Lord God and the armies of the Lord. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Will you say that with me? The battle is the Lord's. I'm going to ask a few more of you to say it with me. Would you do that? Say it with me. For the battle is the Lord's. That's your battle, is the Lord's battle. Whatever's confronting your life, if you're hidden in him. If you have put your faith, and pastors has been doing this great series on the word of faith. If you've invested your confidence, not in your own abilities, or your own ingenuity, or your own native genius. But if you've invested your confidence in the Lord your God, who never lost a battle, and never will lose a battle. And understand that the battle is the Lord's. He'll see you through whatever you're going through. This passage was was raising up and I'll tell you honestly that we talked about it several times while Kath was in the hospital that that hospital room became a sanctuary after bragging on her for a minute because she'll fuss at me later but honestly she became a rock star on the ICU wing all those nurses were competing probably I don't know this to be true but they were they all loved taking care of her one of them came in and her shift was starting in the dark and it was dark and And I was sitting there by her bed, and she walked in the room, and and I greeted her and said hello to her, and she looked over at Kath, and she said, I've heard of her. (laughs) Yeah, she ministered to everybody that she had an opportunity to minister to. Shared, She prophesied to one from the throne. Yeah, she did. Uh, there was a, 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 an RN named Sigourney, big, strong, African-American girl, full of strength, a type A personality. And Kath told me, this was in the ICU unit, she said, oh, the Lord's given me a word for Sigurney. I said, well, give it to her. And she said, well, I don't know that she'll be my nurse anymore, and she's off duty. I said, well, honey, you know, sometimes the Lord gives us a word so that we know how to pray. It's a word, we think it's a word of prophecy to deliver to them when it's a word of knowledge and he's wanting us to agree and pray. I just tried to comfort her. I didn't know that she would ever be on duty. So Kath was in the restroom and one of the other nurses had helped her in and she said, well, I'm going to hold it and, and I'm going I'm to pray the Lord, give me an opportunity to deliver that word to Sigurney. And so she, she was in the restroom and the other nurse left and around the corner came Sigurney, unscheduled. And that sweet woman said, and she began to deliver a word to her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about the power that's in the name of the Lord and how you can convert any environment you're in into a sanctuary, to a tabernacle, to a temple where he has chosen to inscribe his name because you are the carrier of the name of God. It's a shelter that goes with you wherever you go. It's a shelter that difficulty and adversity cannot separate you from. Maybe when David told Solomon the story of that fateful day with Goliath, maybe he said something like this, Son, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and they are safe. That's what happened to me in the valley of Allah. When I faced a giant and overwhelming odds were against us. It was the name of the Lord that I took refuge in. Perhaps. I know that's a bit of conjecture, but perhaps. Perhaps. Okay, so that's my introduction. So let me give you four. Can I give you four quick things that a strong tower is? And so let's just talk about that for a minute. And, uh, and some of you, I scared you completely to death, but don't be afraid. It won't take but a moment. First of all, a strong tower is a fortified structure. A strong tower is a fortified. It's not a flimsy, weak shack that any bad wolf can come along and huff and puff And blow it down. No, no, in biblical times, a strong tower was just that. When an enemy approached a tower, it was an intimidating obstacle that stood between the enemy and the people inside. In other words, when a strong tower was built, it was designed to be an intimidation to any enemy who would be foolish enough to try to attack that village. Can I tell you today that the devil may be in, not be intimidated by you, but he is intimidated by God. And when you take your refuge in him, it is an intimidating fortress that the enemy thinks twice before he attacks. Hallelujah. Psalms 46, David says, God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though You fill in the blank with the rest of what the even those are of your life. Even though financial adversity, even though a broken relationship, even though your your president may not be running the country, even though, can you say even though, no matter what? God is our refuge. Our hope's never been in Washington. It's never been in the White House. It's been in the, the Holy House. It's been in the House of Heaven. That's where our confidence is. That's where we place our trust. A strong tower is a fortified structure. The second thing about a strong tower is a strong tower is a high and elevated place so as to be out of reach. It was designed to be inaccessible during attack. And Psalms 91 comes to mind. I mentioned it in passing earlier. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you the shadow of the Almighty is a high place? It's a high place. It's a place that removes you from the enemy's reach. I remember when we were kids, we used to play and you'd get yeah, have a whole group of guys out in the yard playing. And those that could climb a tree could get spared some of the crazy stuff that was happening on the ground. Because you'd get out of the reach of your enemy. See, the enemy can be present, but if the enemy can't reach, you can't do anything to you. Even in the story of David and Goliath, Goliath knew he had to get David within arm's reach. Goliath was a heavy infantry warrior. He was designed for up-close combat. David is the equivalent of a sniper. Goliath didn't realize that he didn't have a chance We think about David being, oh, this little guy, bless his heart, he's so courageous, and he was. But the fact is, based on natural skills, David had no intention of getting within the arm reach of Goliath so Goliath could get his hands on him. David was going to stay at a safe distance, and he was going to shoot like a laser that rock that they had the skills to do. One thing that's a strong tower is it's an elevated place. It's designed to be inaccessible. David says in Psalm 61, you can read it later or maybe they'll throw it on the screen for you. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. (laughs) Uh, That's a psalm too. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. Now we see a connection to the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was in the mind of David and the strong tower. And the refuge and the hiding place. We begin to see all these different ideas begin to stream together in the mind of David. As he says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. Pastor mentioned it and let me just echo it. How many know that one of the safest places for you to experience adversity is the local church? That is, if you're willing to just be honest and say, hey, I'm going through something. You can find strength and encouragement You can find a constant flow of the presence of God even when you have a hard time praying. Normally in a local church, they're praying people who'll touch God for you. So he he talks in one breath about the strong tower from the enemy. Therefore, I'll abide in your tabernacle. So it's almost as if they were one and the same in the mind of David. It's like it's one thing, it's not just, that's the metaphor of a strong tower, this stone fortress that's set on, but David said, I found my fortress in the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant is, where your presence abides. And we would be wise to take some encouragement from that. There is something you lose, tremendously lose, when you're not committed to a local church. Amen, Brother Brassfield. Brother Brown, amen, me, and I said amen to myself. But how about y'all? Amen. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Amen. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Selah, settle it. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Number three, a strong tower is built with materials that would normally withstand a fire. Brother Shane, this strong tower won't burn. Asked three Hebrew boys. (laughs) Yeah, they're in Babylon. They couldn't escape to a strong tower. They took their tower into the furnace. It's typically built out of rock so that it will withstand the elements. That strong tower in the plains of Dura that day in Babylon was where the three Hebrew boys went into the fire. And the scripture says they were so protected that when they came out of the fire, not only did they not burn, they didn't even smell like smoke. What I'm preaching to you all, ladies and gentlemen, means that you can go through some really tough moments and not even smell like you've been there. You know, the norm, normal people who don't have God, when they go through a trauma, they, if they're not careful, they can smell like that trauma the rest of their life. And they can take that trauma as baggage into every relationship and every situation they go. But when you make the strong tower of the name of the Lord your refuge, he'll take you through the fire and not even let you smell like smoke when you come out. Amen. That old song. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected run to the mountain and the mountain stands by me. Y'all didn't know y'all was going to get a sermon and a concert, did you? When the earth all around me is a sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a refuge, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Sing it with me. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is a sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Or as they would say in Nashville, I go to the rock. (laughs) This rock won't burn. We found that, didn't we, Ben? Then the fourth thing that the strong tower is is it's built in a central location to the people of a village or the people it's designed to protect. The di- the idea was is that it would be difficult for the enemy to access, but easily accessible to the people of the village. It wouldn't it wouldn't help if this strong tower was way off ten miles away. So they built these strong towers typically in the village. Eventually, when cities begin to develop, they built walls around the village, and typically on the walls there would be a number of towers. If you've been to the city of Jerusalem, and some of you have, some of you have been with us, uh, and we're going back incidentally in November of. 20- 24 if you'd like to go but there would be towers built on the corners of the wall this was for watchmen but it was also the last line of defense if the enemy penetrated the wall then the the royal family would run to a tower or the people of the village would run to the tower in in many cities they were large enough that they could take many of their possessions and their valuables in to be safe from the enemy's attack they would have water, provision, and food. They could, outlast, they could outlast a siege of the enemy. Sometimes the enemy will come to your life and make a camp. And you need a place that you can escape to that you can outlast the enemy. One of the things we talked about is instantaneous miracle. How many believe in instantaneous miracles? Amen. And we have prayed for that, and we, we believe God for that. But how many also knows the miracle of healing? Both come from God. Sometimes He does it instantaneously, like a blink of an eye, and the tumor drops off, or the, or the, or the leg grows, or the ear opens up, or, and God does it. How many believe He still does that? I believe it with all of my heart. But then He's designed the body beautifully and miraculously where it will heal itself, and both of those originate from Creator God. And it kind of teaches us the story that sometimes an enemy will come and won't just run off right away. Sometimes you've got to be able to stay in the secret place for a while. Sometimes you've got to set up camp and eat from the... Come on, somebody. you've got to be able to eat from what you have stored up. You've got to be able to drink from what you have stored up. You've got to have prepared for that enemy's arrival so that you've got food and water. Sometimes you've got to have the Word of God hidden in your own heart. You've got to store up supplies of the Holy Ghost in your own, the water of God's Spirit in your own heart. Because you may have to outlast an enemy sometime. I'm thankful that that strong tower is always just a mention of his name away. When you whisper the name of Jesus, your refuge comes with you. And you can run like David did into the valley of the law. You can run into that fortress. I think that's what Solomon got. I think that was David's secret was the confidence he placed in the Lord his God. The confidence that he placed in God's ability to deliver. He'd been through the battle with the bear and the, and, and the lion. He'd been in the, in the valley with the giants. Then if you'll look later, it, it's interesting because Goliath didn't, wasn't just one giant. As a matter of fact, there were several in the family. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, you'll read the story of how David was confronted. Sometimes we think, man, if I just have one giant and I get that giant dealt with, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. David didn't have one giant. There were four more. And in chapter number 21 of 2 Samuel, the story is told how David confronted another one of the giant families and had victory. And then there was a moment he was about to succumb to the attack of the enemy and his friend stepped in and defended David. The famous passage about, You don't come to battle anymore with us, David, lest the lamp of the Lord, the lamp of Israel, be put out. But they gained victory over the entire... Giant family, and I I don't have time, I'm out of time. But can I suggest you sometimes you need friends who can kill a giant for you, even though you've had victories in your own life, even though you've confronted your Goliaths? Sometimes in your life, perhaps in a different time, you need somebody who's good with a sword who can step between you and an attacking giant. David then wrote a song. David was like me, like music. Me and David. <laughs> yeah. Samuel chapter number 22, he writes a song. And it was his friends that had killed the giants. But notice what he says in the song. He said, and, and you can maybe they'll throw it up a, a couple of verses, maybe verse 1 and 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. Oh, yeah pastor he used you but it was the lord working through that was that delivered me the Lord is my deliverer he is my fortress you may have come to my aid but I was standing in the fortress of the name of my God he may have used the the pantry team to put the food on your table but the fact is it wasn't the pantry team you were Hidden in the, the fortress of your God. And then another song emerges. It's in the same song, but we've captured it. I will call upon the... Verse 4. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's where that song comes from. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We all face calamity, challenges, and giants. It seems like everyone's running from something these days or from someone. But as believers, we aren't running away from anything. We're running to something. We're running to someone. The Lord. Stand with me, would you? I wished I had time today to take you into Second Chronicles chapter 6. That same Solomon that wrote the passage, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and they are saved, who'd learned from the psalmist of Israel, who said, I will call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies, had built a house. And in the building of the house, the temple, we call it Solomon's temple. If you'll analyze it, you'll find out that 13 times in the story, I believe it was 13 times, Solomon suggests that the significance of that brick and stone building wasn't in its strength, but in its name. 13 times he suggests that God had chosen to inscribe his name in that temple. They dedicate the temple... The Holy Spirit falls in the outer court. All the priests are prostrate before the Lord. Nobody can work. Nobody can serve. The cloud of the glory of God fills that place. And Solomon dedicates that temple. He goes through all these criteria because he knew his congregation. If you read it, he'll say, God, when they sin and fall short of your glory and make a stupid mistake... Will you hear from heaven your dwelling? He said, I know I built this house, but I know this house can't contain you. How much less can even the heaven of heavens contain you? But I'm just asking you to use this as a fortress. This is a place where you put your name. This is a place of refuge for your people. So that whatever's going on in their life, if they will get to this place that bears your name and call upon your name, will you hear from heaven? And he goes through all these criteria. When they sin." When they are taken captive by an army because they have failed and sinned against you. And even in a foreign land, if they get their bearings and they turn and they face the temple that bears your name. That's why Jews still turn to the east and pray. Because of this prayer of dedication that Solomon made. When they call on your name, repent of their sins and confess your name toward this place. Will you hear from heaven your dwelling place? And will you restore them and deliver them? The service finishes with that great prayer of dedication. And then, Pastor, you know the story. God appears to Solomon in the night. And he says, you're right. I have chosen this house as a house of sacrifice. And to inscribe my name. And perhaps some of the most famous passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. He says, if my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven my dwelling place, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land, and I will deliver them. And God made an eternal covenant that he would always watch his name, so that he would never miss a prayer prayed in that name. Listen, God swore an oath that he would never miss a prayer prayed in that name. You may not feel it. The prayer team you're a part of might not feel it. But that's why we say when we come together in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the laying on of hands. There are things that can happen in that moment. It's not the oil. It's not any elements or any activities. It's when we invoke the name of Jesus that miraculous things happen. And I just have to ask you as we finish this service, what are you running from? What is the bad news you've got? What is the giant that's confronting you today? What are you tired of fighting with Are you tired of fighting your own battles? Have you had enough of your own plans? Then let this simple message today be an encouragement to run to the rock that's able. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room? If you're here and you'd say, Brother Brassfield, you didn't know, but the Holy Spirit knew. I'm facing this incredible challenge in my life. Raise your hand right now. Would you do that? I'm facing an incredible challenge. I see that hand anymore, I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand that hand I'm facing a giant that hand that hand that hand that hand that hand come on yeah anybody else I see those hands you can put them down thank you I see your hand just giving a moment for just a little transparency between you and God I see your hand I'm not saying you're lost I'm saying you're fighting a battle anybody else Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just to step out in the aisle where you are. You don't even have to come up front. If you want to come up front, that's fine. Come up front. But step out into the aisle. If you raised your hand and you're fighting a battle, step up. Just step up, step out, whatever. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved. From my enemies. Come on, step out, step out. Just wherever you are, step out. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for everyone who raised their hands. I'm going to pray, and then in a moment I'm going to ask you to pray with me. But I want to pray as I lead in this moment. Lord, I thank you that you are a strong tower. I thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge. I thank you that you are our strength. Lord, for everyone who feels like they've expended all of their energy and gone the last mile of the way, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, would come right in this minute and fill them with your power and strength. Refresh them. Refresh them in the name of the Lord. God, I pray for everyone who's fighting a battle, a relational enemy, God. I pray that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, for those in this room that are facing Red Sea moments and Pharaoh is, feels like he's barreling down on, on the, the behind them, God, I pray that you would cause the great wind of your spirit to blow a hole in that water. Lord, for those that are needing a word from you and they've sought you and it seems like the heavens are brass, I pray, God, that you would ignite a bush that burns and does not consume, God. And, Lord, for those who have hung their harp on the willow branches and they've been through some trauma or something and they've lost their song, I pray, God, that you would restore unto them the joy of their salvation and help them to place their confidence in you, O God. Put a song in their heart. and Let them receive the strength of the joy of the Lord. I want everyone who stepped out or who's up front, I want you to pray this confession, this prayer of confession with me right now. Would you pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, you are my hiding place. I take my refuge in you. You are my strong tower. You are my protection against the enemy. From this day forward, I put my weapons down and I pick up my praise. I will worship you in the night, even if it be through tears, because I believe that joy is coming in the morning. I receive your strength, your healing, your deliverance, and your power, in Jesus' great name, amen, amen, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? God bless you.